Maybe your story goes like one of these stories. Uh, Brian flew halfway across the country, hadn't spoken to his dad in 22 years, but he flew and he gets to the hospital and all he can hear is the humming of the heart monitor beating and his dad's in a coma. They've not spoken. There have been walls of separation. You see, Brian's father was a career Marine officer and all he ever wanted for Brian was to be in the Marines. And uh, the father was not just hard, he was over the top. If Brian scored a touchdown, why didn't he score two? If Brian got three A's and two B's, why didn't, what happened to the two B's? No matter what Brian did, it wasn't good enough, wasn't long enough, wasn't powerful enough, wasn't gifted enough, no matter what. And so when Brian went into the Marine Corps, it was the happiest day of his father's life. But the day that he got a dishonorable discharge for fighting with his drill sergeant, that was the kiss of death to their relationship. And now for 22 years, they've not spoken. And so Brian, a father in a coma, crying out loud, please, just tell me that you love me. Just tell me that you love me. And Brian's father died and never was able to tell him that he loved him. Nancy uh, had a great home life, pretty much. Her mother and dad were wealthy people, lived outside of a nice city, nice suburban house. And her mother loved going socializing and loved going shopping. And so she would go and buy, them, buy the girls' clothes. Nancy had a sister. But, but the sister was petite and skilled and dignified and loved all those events. But Nancy was a little clumsy, And Nancy ate a little too much. And the mother would always say when they were shopping, you know, the clothes that would look really good on you, they're two sizes smaller than this. Why can't you be more like your sister? And there was such an incredible destruction of her soul. Now, I don't know if you understand a Brian story. I don't know if you understand a Nancy story. But I bet all of us in this room could tell our own story of where maybe we felt like we just didn't receive the blessing from a mother, from a father, from a grandmother, from a grandfather, or maybe didn't receive the blessing from a teacher, coach, or maybe even today you're married and you still feel like you are unloved. Nancy's in her 40s, two kids married, and she's in counseling because she still feels like every day nobody really could like me. If they really knew me, nobody would really love who I am. And yet there's this universal desire of all of us in this room. There's this incredible desire. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Christian thing. It's not a woman thing, not a man thing, not a juvenile. It's, 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 a, it's a human thing. All of us in this room have this overwhelming desire to feel like we received the blessing. Now, I don't know if you received a blessing or not. Most people struggle with this. And the problem then is, if you struggle with this, and you're not sure if you got the blessing or you're pretty sure you didn't get the blessing, the problem is you won't be able to pass on the blessing. And it's exactly what you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. We're salt and we're light. And for us then to be able to pass on this incredible blessing. Well, we've got a story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 27, which is just the epitome of all stories about blessing. 
There's a mother who overhears a father talking about, I'm going to give the older son the blessing. And the mother is in on the conniving, and she convinces the younger brother to pretend and to go through this whole shenanigan. And actually in this story, in the Jewish history, the Jewish culture, it would be the older son that would receive this patriarchal blessing. But that's not what happens in this story. Follow along with me in Genesis chapter 27, and here we go with verse 1. The father's name is Isaac. Isaac has two sons. He has a wife named Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now old and an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. He's going to get his things in order, right? Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the open country. I never really noticed this open country until this last week. He mentions this twice, which means go out where there's an adventure. You're my son of adventure. And Isaac really liked the older son, and the younger son was maybe more of a mama's boy and stayed inside, and she liked Jacob Jacob a little bit better, but he's going to go in the open country and hunt some wild game. Prepare for me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Here's the whole point. This is the whole big idea this morning. There is a blessing that's in store for everyone. And Esau didn't get it. So that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and to bring it back, Rebekah said to her other son, Jacob, the younger son, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau. Now, this is an amazing story to me, because how in the world could this mother do this? And I'm not sure that I have a good answer for this, but she wanted Jacob, and we can do theological things. It was, you know, maybe God's will, but, but it, it, nevertheless, this is where the story breaks down for those of us that are parents, because it's a real struggle. How in the world could you do this? So Jacob then is in on the plot. Mama cooks a couple of kids, a couple of goats. And now Jacob is going to go into the tent with his father and try to deceive him so he can get the blessing. So Jacob went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, remember what she did? She dressed Jacob in Esau's clothes. Remember that? So that Jacob would smell like Esau. She also put some hair on his hands and on the back of his neck so that if Isaac felt him, he would feel, because Esau was a hairy man, apparently. (laughs) I wasn't there, but that's what they tell us, okay? When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, that the Lord is blessed. It's the wrong son, isn't it? May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. This is a patriarchal blessing that Jacob is giving. And after Isaac had finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, here comes Esau. He's come in from the open country. And now he's prepared some tasty food, and now he's going to come into the tent so he can get the blessing. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that, so that you may give me your blessing. Now, this is the point this morning. If you never receive the blessing, how in the world can you ever give the blessing? 
And if I didn't receive the blessing, am I normal? Will I ever be normal? Can I be healthy? Will I be able to ever get it, give it to other people? The answer is yes, but it's going to take a circuitous route for us to get there. And give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? And he's going, does he have Alzheimer's? I mean, he just told me, you know, to go get some food. I I am your son, he answered. I am your firstborn. The firstborn. I get the blessing. I am Esau. Isaac trembled violently because he just gave the blessing away. And that's where the story breaks down a little bit for you and I because we're thinking we'll just give him another blessing, right? There was something a little bit more mysterious about this. Isaac trembled violently. Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he, he will be blessed. I gave him my blessing. He'll get all the blessing. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me. Bless me too, my father. And we see him crying out. And then he says this, your brother came deceitfully, the father said, and he took your blessing. So what happens? I don't know how you grew up, but can you be healthy? Can you be normal? There's a lot of pain in this room because of what you received or because of what you didn't receive. And every one of us in this room right now, we're going back into memory lane and some of those doors we've shut because they're so hurtful and they're so, so painful. I know as a pastor now of over 30-some years that everyone reacts in life a certain way. The reason you talk too much, the reason you don't talk enough, the reason you're codependent, the reason you're passive-aggressive, the reason you're edgy, the reason you're anxious or depressed, there, there's a reason for most of the, of, the, of the behavior in your life. Now, I'm going to give you some good news in just a minute. But before we get to the good news, I, I'm going to scrape a couple of scabs off the sole of your heart. And there's really about seven major ways that you respond if you did not get the blessing from the most significant people in your life. And see if you can identify with these. Now, these aren't excuses. You don't stay stuck here. In fact, that's why we're in church. And that's why we surrender to the power of the gospel. But let's get to the core of maybe why you do some of the things that you do. Are you ready to go forward? This is going to hurt a little bit. Okay? Say that out loud. This is going to hurt a little bit. It is. It is. So without the blessing, people generally respond in one of about seven different ways. Here's the first one. There are those that are seekers. They are seeking intimacy. They're searching for intimacy, but seldom able to tolerate it. Once they get it, it's not enough because you can't love me. I get intimacy. I get a connection. But but certainly, if you really knew me, you're not going to really like me. They feel fulfillment in the thrill of dating, but after the marriage, withdraw the blessing. Why, Why are some people married four and five times? Why do some people go through multiple engagements, the seekers? There's the seduced. Unmet needs for love and acceptance can tempt a person towards sexual immorality, trying to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. This would be called the seduced. 
And without the blessing, you know people, maybe you're there, who fall into this category. Ouch. There's the angry. Just blame everyone for misery and we'll never forget or never forgive. I mean, as Americans, we've gotten angry. I mean, people are marching. If you ask them, what are you marching about? I don't know. I'm just mad. I'm just, I'm just angry. You know? It's just it's a culture now of, of, of just anger. I'm not saying that we don't get mad about things. I'm not saying you shouldn't get angry. I'm just saying it's a bitterness deep in the soul where I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to forget. And people can just be angry today. There's the shattered. And they're troubled over the loss of someone or something. And it results in an abnormal fear, anxiety, depression, and emotional withdrawal. I'm not saying you're not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to say you're not going to have some fear. I'm saying it's, it's an overwhelming angst every single day of your life. And, and, and the shattered are just troubled over the loss of something and can't quite seem to reengage, which makes them the detached. The detached. After losing the blessing from an important person, he, she spends a lifetime protecting himself, herself, from, an ever, from ever being hurt again. I'm not going to be hurt again. And the detached are the most difficult people to ever be married to. The detached are the most difficult people for children to ever connect with. You've got some detached people you work with. You've got some detached people in your neighborhood. You ever try to get in, have a connection, have a relationship with a person who's detached? And why are they detached? Because they've been hurt. And they don't want to be hurt again. And by golly, you're not going to ever hurt me again. Nobody's ever going to get that close. I'm never going to love like that again. The detached. Then we go to the smotherers, okay? They're just the opposite. They just, you can't hardly breathe. They just want you all, all your time, all your energy. person reacts to missing the blessing by sucking every bit of life. I think that's funny. Sucking every bit of life and energy from a spouse, a friend, etc. And, and, and so what happens then is there's such an overreaction. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the blessing. I'm going I'm to control it. I'm going to make it happen. I will get the blessing from you if it's the last thing I do. And they what? They drive you away because you can never meet all those needs. You can never make that person happy, right? And then we have the driven, the driven, trying to get the blessings by earning them. I, I relate to this. I wake up every morning with really the fear of failure, and that fear of failure drives me. And I'm not sure I'm driven for all the right reasons. I think I'm driven because I want to keep doing something. And so without the blessing, you can fall into one of these seven different categories. And so you begin to kind of analyze yourself and begin to look at yourself, which is really an important thing to do, to be, just to be honest. Why am I so driven? And so here's a question for us this morning. What do you do if your home was a drought? when it comes to the blessing? Or what do you do if your home was a flood? It wasn't a drought. It was just, it was over the top and all the time compliments, 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 but you knew that it wasn't really genuine. They weren't really real. What do you do if the blessing in your home was just always out of reach? I can't, I made A's, wasn't enough. I made the varsity, wasn't enough. I got into the college, it wasn't enough. I, I got enlisted into the officers, it w- wasn't enough. Well, what, what do you do if your home was always just out of 
reach. Or maybe, maybe the blessing came with a burden. It was exchanged for a burden. And the only way you ever got the blessing was when a parent constantly tried to manipulate you. A woman that I know said, my 82-year-old mother for all my life has always told me, I'm going to be dead and gone. I'm going to be dead and gone. And when I'm dead and gone, you're going to feel really bad about this. And she said, my mother, my whole life tried to manipulate me. And really, she tried to give me the blessing, exchanging it, though, with this weight of a burden. And I could never please my mother. I could never do the things that my mother wanted me to do. What do you do? Can you go forward? Can you ever receive the blessing that God has in store for you? Now, just remember this. If you don't have the blessing, you can't give it to somebody else. And the whole reason that we're in church and we're Christians and we're the hands and feet of Jesus is so that we can now give the blessing to everybody that we come in contact with. So I'm going to give you some specifics, but think about what Jesus and, and, and God say in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about blessings. I don't want you to miss this today. He says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, this is the big Abe, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse all those who curse you. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. In the 12th chapter of the first book, we get the concept that a, a father wants to bless his servants and wants to bless all the children. So we go from Abraham now to Moses. When all these blessings and curses I've set before you come on you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses them among the nations. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. Genesis, I mean, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Blessings and curses. Just go back and read. Blessings and curses. God has so many blessings in store for you. And if you follow me, I'll bless you in the city and I'll bless you in the country. I'll bless your business and I'll bless your home. Blessings, blessings, blessings that God has in store for you. And then Joshua says, then Joshua blessed Caleb and he gave him Hebron as his inheritance. There's always this concept of of other people blessing other people. People who are blessed can bless other people. And then we go to Samuel in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Yep. After he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people. In the name of the Lord God Almighty. I love that verse. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, I extend this heavenly blessing. Psalm 29 verse 11 says, The Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. And then just a couple of New Testament ones. For there's no difference, Paul says, between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. Now that's the point this morning. I don't know where you've been. I do care. But it doesn't matter. Your past, I don't know. But I know your present and I know your future. I don't know where you've been. But I do know where you're going. I know exactly what your Heavenly Father has in store for you. And He has in store for you this amazing blessing. One last verse. And and Griffin touched on it a little bit earlier, Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us 
in the heavenly realms. There is in the heavenlies a vision to bless you and your nieces and your nephews and your business and your city and your house. There is a, there is a heavenly vision to bless everything that is a part of your life in Christ Jesus. So, let's say that the blessing in your home was just out of reach. Let's say that the blessing of your home, it was a drought. Let's say that the blessing of your home, maybe it was a flood and it was insincere and it, was in, it made you more insecure. Well, is there any hope? Well, isn't that why Jesus came? Isn't that why Jesus came to come into your life and to give you a hope and a future? Isn't that why Jesus said, I, I, I'm going to, he's going to forgive you? He's going to accept you? He's going to put his arms around you and love you? Isn't that why Jesus said, let the little children come to me? And I can just picture Jesus sitting there and the kids are all around him playing. He's patting them on the head. This is the point about the scripture and the power of the gospel. I don't know your past, but I know your future. I know exactly what the Heavenly Father has in store for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. And your Heavenly Father loves you. He is crazy about you. And you and I cannot make those excuses about the past. We cannot go back and say, well, if she would have, if he would have, if they would have, if I'd have grown up there. You know what? We say this in Indiana, that dog won't hunt. Okay? may not learn any scripture this morning, but you'll learn an Indiana idiom. That dog won't hunt. All right? And the point is, you can't talk about what happened back here and say, I'm still messed up, because that's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Holy Spirit comes in to transform you and me so that we can be salt and light. And we speak and we touch and we help and we heal. We are the blessing, then, extension of our amazing Heavenly Father. So how do we do this? Well, it works really two ways. You must receive the blessing of God. In order to give the blessing, to forgive, to forget, to love, to pray, to serve, to, to do all those things that God has called us to do. You see, if you don't do that, you will be the bride at every wedding. You'll be the corpse at every funeral, okay? You'll want the world to revolve around you. Or you will go so much into the turtle that you will detach and go way back in there, and you don't want anybody to know you. That's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is for you to be the woman of God, the man of God that he's called you to be. That's the power of Christ. That's the power of the gospel. Now, so we receive it. I receive Jesus. He forgives me. I receive Jesus. He cleanses me. I receive Jesus. He takes my sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west. I receive Jesus, and, and all my shame and all my guilt is gone forever. That's what Max Lucado says. It's too good to be tr true, but it's too great to pass up. It's an amazing gift. It's called grace. So I have it. I receive it. I embrace it. Now what do I do? I give it away. I give the blessing to everybody I meet. I, I give the blessing to the people I work with. I give the blessing to my family. I give the blessing to my wife. I give the blessing to my neighbors. I, I then can be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
But there are about five specific ways I want to give you right now that will help us to do this um, with some consistency. And the first one is this. It's called meaningful touch. Now, I realize there's a lot of touching going on right now in the political world and in the, in the, in the newscasting world. And I, I, I'm not talking about that, all right? We're not going there. We're going to leave that alone. Um, nobody's going to be left in Congress. Nobody's going to be left in the news. So we're not talking about, we're talking about meaningful touch. And if, if some very unmeaningful touch has happened to you, I am sorry. I'm deeply sorry for that. But, but it's still so important how we touch other people. My son is six foot three. And when Ethan walks in the room, I put my arms around Ethan and I kiss him. I love my daughters. Every time I see my daughters, I've got my arms around them, and I hug them, and I kiss them. I even like my two son-in-laws. I don't kiss them, but I hug them, okay? <laughs> I even like my son-in-laws. And, and, and it's the meaningful touch that you talk about. that you. It, it's a great way to, ex, to extend the blessing that you've received to the people around you. It's got to be what? Meaningful, okay? meaningful. But there's also spoken words. Well, let me give you the first meaningful touch. His father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And then there's spoken words. Man, this is powerful. Powerful. Words, powerful. They have the power of life and death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Spoken words. And here's what he says. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. I've never said to Danita when she walks into a room, oh, Danita, you smell like a field. You're great. So that doesn't translate to us today, but it, it does fit as far as meaningful words and uh, spoken words. Attaching high value. We see this in you. We see this gift. We see this ability. You're good with people. You're good with words. You're a good reader. You're a good problem solver. We attach high value to the people who are around us. And guess what they do? They climb higher. It fits with business. fits with the home life. It fits in every area. of You attach high value. You bless other people. They will rise and rise and rise. You picture a special future. I can see you doing that someday. We had um, dinner with a, little, with a family and I think the little boy was maybe uh, seven or eight years old this past week. And um, he's really good with people. And I said to this little boy, I said, you know what? You may be my successor someday. He just grinned from ear to ear. That was a thought he'd never had, okay? I hope it's that far away, too. I hope it's a long time. (laughs) May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. He's picturing this. And then the last one is an active commitment. Isaac actually got involved. He didn't just talk about it. So the way that we bless people, we get involved with their lives, and we make a difference. Well, I, I want to tell you the story about Diane, and really it's a story about Diane's parents. And um, the parents couldn't conceive, had a hard time, long time before she could finally uh, get pregnant. So Diane's parents had tried unsuccessfully for years to have children. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why their joy was unbounded when they learned that they were carrying their first child. Everything seemed normal during the pregnancy and delivery until they saw the doctor's reaction. When Diane was giving birth, um, they saw that 
she was good, but then when she came out and the doctor said, uh, she doesn't have a left arm. And they looked down, they saw that the left arm had never developed below the elbow. There were tears in the delivery room and deep concern as test after test was performed on Diane. As doctors and specialists um, sought to determine the extent of her physical problems, Diane's parents didn't know how they should respond to anxious questions from relatives and friends. Two days later, the doctors told Diane's parents some really encouraging news. In all of their tests, they had not picked up on any other signs of medical or physical problems. Diane appeared to be normal, a healthy baby girl with the exception of a left arm. Just after the doctors had gone, Diane's parents bowed together in prayer. Now notice what they did. Notice their reaction to a major problem. They thanked God that their daughter had no other serious problems. But they prayed that something else that proved to be of tremendous benefit to their daughter. In that hospital room, with Diane nestled in her mother's arms, her parents prayed that their love for her would make up for any lack of physical abilities that she didn't possess. They decided that morning they would encourage Diane to become all that God could have her to be, in spite of the problems that they and Diane would have to face along the way. Now, years have gone by since that hospital room, and Diane's now 19 years old. In fact, um, she's attending a major university. However, something special about Diane draws your attention away from the empty sleeve, particularly when you listen to her play the piano with one hand. Diane has to deal with tremendous obstacles in her 19 years. The stares, the giggles, the tactless questions of her peers in grade school, the fears, the uncomfortable feelings of whether to go to a dance in junior high, will I ever get a date? But on the other hand, throughout the real-life struggles of being born handicapped, Diane received a precious and a powerful gift from her parents. She received the blessing. The security of knowing that she was highly valued and unconditionally accepted. My parents didn't try to hide from me the fact that I was different, Diane told us. They had been very realistic with me. But I always knew, and they, should have, and they have told me over and over again, that I am their greatest claim to fame. Whether I was trying out for a softball team or my dad was trying to teach me how to drive, my parents were my biggest fans. They've prayed for me throughout the best, even when I've pouted and gotten angry at God because of my handicap. Without question, my parents deserve a lot of credit for helping me accomplish the things that I have. I don't know if you had that kind of a mom and dad, but I do know that you have that kind of a heavenly father, and that's the power of the gospel. And so today, let's go forward. Today, let's ask for emotional healing. Let's ask for psychological healing. Today is a day that you will never forget. Today is a day you're going to mark on the calendar. That's when I received the blessing of my Heavenly Father. And I receive this blessing. I receive this blessing. I receive this blessing. So then I can go out and I can be the blessing. And I really believe that the greatest gift God is giving to you is the blessing. And I believe the greatest gift you can give to your father is to be able to bless all those people 
who are around you. And so we're going to pray. And we're going to receive the blessings of God. And uh, we're never going to be the same. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And let me pray over you. And today, if you want special prayer, it's a great day to become a Christian. It's a great day to say, I want the favor of God. Today, I want to be forgiven of all my sins. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. But I'm going a little bit deeper today. And I'm going to pray that God heals me of all those wounds and now uses me for all of his glory. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All power and glory and honor belong to you. You raised Jesus from the dead. You can raise us up. And so I pray for my brothers and my sisters in this room. I pray that we will get the healing of our Father. I pray that we will get the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we will get the kiss of the Holy Spirit himself who touches our minds, our wills, and our emotions, who massages the deepest wounds of our lives and enables us with power and passion to be the servants he's called us to be. And so, Father God, we receive all of your blessings on us today, and now we go forward to bless those that are in the cone and sphere of our influence. Use us. Use us all the days of our life. We pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.